Chapter Two of Our Master Thoughts for Salvationists About Their Lord. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Our Master Thoughts for Salvationists About Their Lord by Bramwell Booth. The Birth of Jesus. For unto you is born a Saviour which is Christ the Lord. Luke 2.11 The firstborn among many brethren. Romans 8.29 The birth of Jesus is one of the great signs of his condescension, and no matter how we view it, it is perhaps scarcely less wonderful than his death. If the one manifests his glorious divinity, then the other exalts his wonderful humanity. If Calvary and the resurrection reveal his power, does not Bethlehem make manifest his love? And did not both the former come out of the latter? The infinite glory which belongs to the cross and the tomb had its rise in the gloom of the stable. If the babe had not been laid in a manger, then the man would not have been nailed to the tree, and the lamb that was slain would not have taken his place on the everlasting throne. I claim, therefore, a little more attention to the events which relate to the Savior's birth and to the lessons which may be derived from them, and though perhaps something of what I have to say will have already occurred to some who read this paper, I will venture to suggest one or two thoughts as they have been presented to my own mind. Their very simplicity has made them of service to me. 1. He came. The nature of the whole work of our redemption is made manifest by the one fact, he really came his everlasting love his infinite compassion his all-embracing purpose were from eternity but we only got to know of it because he came if he had contented himself with sending messages or highly placed messengers or even with making occasional and wonderful excursions of divine revelation man would no doubt have been greatly attracted and perhaps even helped somewhat in his tremendous conflict with evil yet he might never have been subdued in will he might never have been touched and won back to god he might never have been brought down from his pride to cry out my lord and my god no it was his coming to us that wrought conviction of sin and then conviction of the truth in our hearts he came himself there is something very wonderful in this principle of contact as illustrated by the life of jesus just as to save the human race he felt it necessary to come into it and clothe himself with its nature and conform himself to its natural laws. So all the way through his earthly journey he was constantly seeking to come into touch with the people. He desired to bless. He touched the sick. He fed the hungry. He placed his fingers on the blind eyes and put them upon the ears of the deaf and touched them with the tongue of the dumb. He took the ruler's dead daughter by the hand, and the maid arose. He lifted the little children up into his arms and blessed them. He stretched forth his hand to sinking Peter. He stood close by the foul-smelling body of the dead Lazarus. He took the bread, and with his own hands brake it, and gave it to his disciples at that last farewell meal. He even took poor Thomas's trembling hand and guided it to the prince in his own hands, and the wounds in his side. Yes, indeed, it is 
written large in every part of his life that he really came and that he came very near to lost and suffering men is there not a lesson here for us my comrade as he is in the world so are we this principle in his life was not by accident or by chance it was an essential qualification of his nature for the work entrusted to him it is a necessary qualification for those who are called to carry on that work is this then the impression you are able to give to those among whom you labor that you have come to them in very truth that in mind and body and hand and heart you are seeking to come into the closest contact of love and sympathy with them especially with those who need you most oh aim at this do not for your sake as well as for your masters move about amid your own people or among those to whom god and the army have given you entrance as one who has little in common with them who does not know them who does not feel with them go into their houses put your hand sometimes to their burdens take a share in their toils nurse their sick weep with them that weep and rejoice with them that rejoice make them feel that it is your own religion rather than the army system that has made you come to them let them see by your sympathy and kindness that love is the overmastering influence in your life the influence that has brought you to them compel them to turn to you as a warm-hearted unselfish example of the truths you preach let them feel that you are indeed come from god to take them by the hand as far as may be and lead them through this veil of tears to the city of light and rest two his humble origin everything associated with the advent of jesus seems to have been specially ordered to mark his humiliation it is true that mary his mother was of the lineage of king david but her relationship with the royal house was a very distant one and the family had fallen upon sad times the romans were masters in the land and a stranger sat upon the throne of israel mary therefore was but a poor village maiden joseph her betrothed husband was a carpenter an ordinary working man bethlehem the place of the saviour's birth was a tiny straggling village which though not the least was certainly one of the least of the villages of judea and nazareth where he grew from infancy to childhood and from youth to manhood was another little hamlet among the hilly country to the north of jerusalem and was held in low repute by the people of those days the occupation chosen for the early life of jesus was a humble one he learned the trade of a joiner and worked with joseph at the carpenter's bench his associates and friends were of the village community and he whose name is above every name passed to and fro and in and out among the cottage homes of the poor as one of themselves probably none but his mother had in those early days any true idea of the mysterious promise which had been given concerning him what a contrast it all presents to the years of stress and storm and of victory which were to follow and to the supreme influence his teaching and examples were to exert in the world is there not something here for us do not the lowly origin and simple country habits and humble tastes of some of our comrades make them hesitate on the threshold of great efforts when they ought to leap forward in the strength of their god let them remember their master and take courage 
let them call to mind the unfashionable uneducated uncultivated surroundings of nazareth let them bear in mind the carpenter's shed the rough country work the bare equipment of the village home the humble service of the family life let them above all remember the plain and gentle mother and the meek and lowly one himself and in this remembrance let them go forward to be of lowly origin or of a mean occupation to come out of poverty and want to be looked down upon by the rich or the powerful ones of earth to be treated as of no consequence by governments and rulers and yet to go on doing and daring suffering and conquering for god and right what is all this but the fulfilment of paul's words and base things of the world and things which are despised hath god chosen yea and things which are not to bring to naught things that are that no flesh should glory in his presence nay what is all but to tread in the very steps that the master trod three his high nature but if on the human side our redeemer's origin and circumstances were of the humblest and we were thus enabled to see his humanity as it were face to face there was united with it the divine nature so that as our doctrines say he is true and properly god and he is truly and properly man many mysteries meet by the side of that manger some of them to remain mysteries so far as human understanding can grapple with things till god himself reveals them to our stronger vision in the world to come but blessed be god some things we cannot compass with our mental powers are very grateful to our hearts how thou canst love me as i am yet be the god thou art is darkness to my intellect but sunshine to my heart and we to whom the living christ has spoken the word of life and liberty although we may not now fully comprehend this great wonder of all wonders god manifest in the flesh and may not be able effectively to make it plain to others we cannot for ourselves doubt its central truth that god dwelt with man here was indeed a perfect union of two spirits there was the suffering and obedient spirit of the true man there was the unchanging and holy spirit of the true god it was a union it was a unity it was god and man it was man and god a being of infinite might and perfect moral beauty sent forth from the bosom of the father and yet a being of lowly and sensitive tenderness having roots in our poor human nature tempted in all points like as we are and touch with the feelings of all our infirmities is it not to something of the same kind we are called is not every true salvation army officer designed by god to be also not of course in the same degree but still up to the measure of his own capacity and of his master's will a dual or twofold creature with associations and roots and attachments and all that is human and yet with divine life the divine spirit divine love divine zeal divine power divine fire united with him and dwelling in him the perfect man would have been a great marvel a great teacher a great prophet but without the god he could never have been the perfect savior the divine without the human would have been an awe-inspiring fact a spectacle of holiness too great for human eyes but he could not have been a savior 
if it were possible for us to conceive the one without the other we should certainly not find a jesus in either and so your merely human officer no matter how pure how strong how thoughtful how clever how industrious will fail and ever fail and even so the officer who is lost in visionary seeking after the divine alone to the neglect of action of duty of law of self-denial of the common conflicts and contracts of man will equally fail and always fail it is the man we want the man but the man born of the spirit the man but the man full of the holy ghost the man but the man with pentecost blazing in his head and heart and soul comrade what are you are you striving to be a prophet without possessing the spirit of the prophets are you trying to be a priest without the priestly baptism are you laboring to be a king without the divine anointing beware for from infancy to manhood birth implies the weakness the dependence the ignorance of infancy but it implies also the promise of growth of increase of advance from infancy to manhood thus it is with man generally so it was with the son of man first he was wrapped in swaddling clothes and laid in a manger presently he goes forth in his mother's arms into egypt and back to nazareth by and by it is written that the child grew and waxed strong in spirit and the grace of god was upon him then he is found in the temple asking that wonderful question about his father's business and at last we find him increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with god and man we know also that he was found in fashion as a servant and was obedient unto death that he was tempted of the devil and that he learned obedience by the things that he suffered in fact a very slight acquaintance with the history of his life reveals the truth that in some wonderful way he steadily grew in wisdom and grace in the power to love and to serve and in strength to grapple with sin and death all the while he journeyed from the cradle to the grave and the victory beyond his life was a discipline in the very highest sense of the word most of the hopes he might rightly entertain about the success of his works were dashed much of his love for those around him was disappointed and his trust betrayed he was despised where he should have been honored rejected where he should have been received he came unto his own and his own received him not not this man they cried but barabbas but out of it all he came forth perfect and entire lacking nothing the chiefest among ten thousand the altogether lovely it may be a mystery but it is a fact all the same that the more precious and wondrous and eternal jewel was cut and cut again the more the light and glory of the dayspring from on high was made manifest to men and here also i find a word of help and courage and cheer for you and me my precious comrade i am not sure that you could receive any more valuable christmas gift than the full realization of the truth that your advance from the infancy to the manhood of your life in god will not be hindered and delayed but rather will be helped and quickened by the storms and trials the conflicts and sufferings which will overtake you it was so with a man christ jesus it has been so with thousands of his chosen as he our dear lord was made perfect through suffering 
so are his saints we are chosen in the furnace of affliction and often cast into one too and yet he who chooses all our changes might have spared us every trial and conflict and taken us to victory without a battle and to rest without a toil but he knows better what will make us men and it is men he wants to glorify him men not babes the dark valleys of bitterness and loneliness are often better for us than the land of beula a certain queen once sitting for her portrait commanded that it should be painted without shadows without shadows said the astonished artist i fear your majesty is not acquainted with the laws of light and beauty there can be no good portrait without shading no more can there be a good salvationist without trial and sorrow and storm there might perhaps remain a stunted and unfruitful infant life but a man in christ jesus a soldier of the cross a leader of god's people without tribulation there can never be patience experience faith hope love if they do not actually grow from tribulations are helped by them in their growth for what says the apostle tribulation worketh patience and patience experience and experience hope and hope maketh not ashamed the finest pine trees grow in the stormiest lands the tempests make them strong surgeons tell us that their greatest triumphs are often those in which the patients have suffered most at their hands for every stroke of the knife is to heal the child you most love is the one you most anxiously correct and whom the lord loveth he chasteneth oh do believe that by every blow of disappointment and sorrow he permits to fall upon you he is striving to bring you to the measure of the statue of a man in christ jesus do work with him in the full knowledge that he will not forsake you he the man who has penetrated to the heart of every form of sorrow and left a blessing there he who is watched in silence by every kind of earthly grief and found its antidote the man who trod the winepress alone he will be with you and since he is with you see to it you acquit yourself well in his presence it is related of an old highland chief that when advancing to give battle he fell at the head of his clan pierced by two balls from the foe his men saw him fall and began to waver but then their wounded captain instantly raised himself on his elbow and with blood streaming from his wounds claimed children i'm not dead i'm looking to see if you do your duty my comrade this is the path of progress the way of advance from the littleness and weakness of infancy to the battles and victories of manhood it is the way of duty and your captain with the wounds in his hands and his sides is looking on. End of chapter 2